Hey folks, it's Jeremy. You're listening to Blamo. We're in it now. You feel that? You feel that? You feel it right now? We're in it. We're in that that um that air quote holiday season. You know what I'm talking about? I don't even, I don't even know why I air quoted it. We're just in, we're in the holiday season. Look, you, your boy, I'm I'm blasting all the tunes right now. We got Johnny Mathis, we got Bing, we got Elvis. I mean, I'm listening I'm just listening to like holiday music. Also listening to the new Wild Nothing album, which we'll talk about in a minute, but um I'm just saying like, you know, call me call me Rudolph the way I'm glowing right now. I mean it. Also um Black Friday just uh wrapped up or Cyber Monday or whatever. It's I think today is Cyber Monday when this album is going out. What what a stupid name for a holiday. Sorry. I'm not negative, but just like what 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 a, what is going on with this stuff? You know, because I was getting just bombarded with ads and then I'm like sitting there like everyone else and you're just like on the toilet and you're like, I guess I'll buy this spatula. I'm like, what am I doing? I don't know. If, uh, but like I, I like gift guides, you know, if, if you really want to know what folks are buying, by the way, we do have a whole Blamo gift guide coming out. You know, as you can see, I plug it when I, when I uh, clown on a spatula from the toilet, but you can get as consumeristic as you want on it. It's awesome. <laughs> I will say this and I say it a lot. My goal every year, I'm like, this is what I really want. My goal is to just have a sick, like, stereo room in my house. Like, just a room with a couple of chairs, a record player, a CD player. Yes, a CD player. By the way, I think I think I should just be having more CDs. But, like, physical media. Physical media for life. Um, like I was saying earlier, Jack Tatum of Wild Nothing is here this week. Um, I say of Wild Nothing. He is Wild Nothing. Uh, by the way... If you're not a fan, I don't even know what you're doing with your life. They're they're one of my favorite bands. I've loved the band for years, and the dude is just, he's an incredible musician. He has a new LP called Hold that we get into, but we discuss um, how parenthood changes music. You know, homie's a dad now. Living in the suburbs, getting fits off on tour, the creative process, and what he's been up to, folks. Let's get into it. Jack Tatum from Wild Nothing. Let's go. I've been listening to the record. Cool. It's very good. It's very, very good. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate that. You were in the, the heavy transition, man. Yeah. How, how's that holding in up? In what sense, though? Well, so, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of jump in because you and I have a pretty similar background in terms of during the pandemic. My wife, I was living in New York for 16 some odd years, and mm-hmm. we had one kid at the time, a two-year-old. Yeah. And we were just on top of each other in Bay Ridge, and it was just a complete... Yeah shit show and also i don't know how much you know it's funny because i think many of us are like blocking out that like traumatic moment in our life in our lives of like this uncertainty Mm -hmm. and you know you kind of look back at it now and you're like what the fuck were we doing we were like spraying our groceries we were freaking out we were obsessed with like you know the news and stuff i think i think about the 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 sanitizing of the groceries so often because it like in retrospect it just seems so wild and like yeah it's like no wonder i have crazy ptsd about like when my son was an infant because it's like i i had like a three week old baby and i was coming home from the grocery store like with the gloves and all the shit and like you know sanitizing it was like so terrifying yeah it's like i can laugh about it now but at the time it was like Man, I was such a head trip, you know. Because then you had a kid, or did did you have? A, I want to be. Did you have the your your son? Yeah, 
Yeah, so I just I just have one son, and he was he was born. Uh, yeah, like like two weeks before COVID lockdown. Okay, started. so you, you yeah. at least got to have the kind yeah. of a little bit more. I don't know how to. Yeah, it was it was like it was like on the horizon, okay. and but you know it was very much just like oh that sounds suspect, but <laughs> but you know we were so we were so focused in on on having a child and he also came early mm. like he he was he, he he was premature and so we were kind of just thrust into this situation and then yeah like we got to see my parents for maybe the first four or five days or something and then after that all just went haywire and we were like everyone was too afraid to see anybody and like um so we pretty much spent like the first two months of like our son's life like not seeing a single soul because we were just like so terrified yeah i mean yeah. i don't think yeah i mean it makes perfect sense like there's no regrets on that yeah. i mean we we yeah. were freaking out and i remember we would go for walks and we had a two-year-old at the time and so we're kind of walking around bay ridge and there wasn't really many places open and then a lot of places you mm-hmm. know I don't know because you were in LA during this time, or were you? Had you already moved? No, so I, I had I had already moved back to Virginia. Okay, so yeah, I had lived. I I actually moved to Richmond like shortly before my last record came out. Oh, snap. so I've been I've been here for like five years, which is kind of wild. Okay, yeah, yeah, but but I was in LA previously, and then um yeah, which like you know I remember just feeling like so grateful that we weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was nuts. It was crazy. Anyone in a big city during yeah. the pandemic, just huge props to them because it was just, yeah. it was insanity and you didn't know how to react. And then you were still like, well, but I'm still going to order food. And these people, you know, and then you're like, do I like yeah. triple my tip? Do I do this? Like there was all these weird new yeah. etiquette things that were coming into play. And then everything was just like covered in saran wrap or outside. And it was, it was just yeah. some of the most like bonker stuff ever. And then, you know, we had, we had a kid in 2020. Oh my God. 2022. I think 22. I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, so we had our second. <laughs> Jesus is embarrassing. My editor is going to no, be no, like, you fine. clown. I don't know. Leave it in buddy. <laughs> and, um, and so like we yeah. were, we were just in the same boat of just this kind of like bizarro chaos. But, and this is what, you know, I've, I'm really excited to talk to you about because I think you kind of, you know, as I've listened to your music over the years, I mean, this is what your fifth album. It's my fifth, fifth one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like fully formed now mature adult jack this isn't yeah this isn't the like i got the cool pedal and i sound like this other band yeah. thing. you're now no, you. this is this is like my my vh1 adult alternative record <laughs> it's like how i how i see it yeah i mean half, half jokingly you know no i mean it's it's great it's really really good um but yeah i am curious because I, I it's like how have you kind of waded through the like relationship evolution with peers because for us when we moved away from big city and then also when we made our kids more the priority and i'm not projecting here this is just stuff we've processed mm-hmm. we kind of lost some friends because we, we have you know yeah. i have some friends who are still like running around like trying to do cocaine and stuff and i'm just like dude yeah I'm dealing with daycare <laughs> and and blocking Blippy. It's, it's such a you know it's it's a oh my god! Don't even get me started on Blippy. I don't I don't think I even have the stomach to talk about that monster. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's so true. It's just I mean it's obvious, right? It's obvious that your life would change in almost every way possible. But but yeah, it's it's weird too being being um, a career musician, having a child, just because so much of your social life, at least my social life, was revolved around music and going out to shows and kind of like seeing your friends bands every time they would pass through town and and now i'm just kind of like 
good luck, you know, <laughs> like, you're, oh, you're coming through Virginia? Oh, well, you know, have fun. Yeah, what, what time's um, the show? Do you have any afternoon shows? Can we do something in the day? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I know, it's really, it's really trippy. And it's funny, too, like, I feel like I'm, I'm now looking back, you know, so I'm 35, and so I'm thinking about when I was living in New York in, like, my early to mid-20s. And there's, you know, like, I was hanging out with people, like, much older than me all the time, not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, oh, like, yeah, my my friend that was, like, approaching 40 that I was hanging out with when I was like 25 they were just like living the Peter Pan lifestyle (laughs) and I just I can't relate anymore yeah I mean in at least you know for me like a lot of your earlier stuff was like these really beautiful love songs and just kind of like yeah it was it was very much youth like if if I could summarize super yeah yeah super innocent like very very like I don't know I don't know like pretty like pure stuff like the, the the kind of stuff that comes like out of your your teenage years and your like early adulthood for sure. Yeah, and now now yeah. you're in you're in the divine, man. You're you're weighing mm-hmm. the your the existentialism and stuff. I mean, how, did this stuff yeah. come naturally or like I'm curious like how what is your writing process like in terms of how you you uh, get started? I mean, yeah, I think I think I think early on so much of my music was was just really wrapped up exclusively in in sort of the ins and outs of of like romantic relationships and and that just being kind of the most important thing to me as as like a a a kid um whereas now it's like i don't know i think i think you you naturally just want to explore other themes and other topics in your in your music as you get older and and i think you know i've become a lot more comfortable too just with like um touch touching on on self-doubt or, or just sort of like any any sort of like spiritual searching or just like asking questions about like what what am i doing here <laughs> yeah <laughs> like in in the, in the very general sense um but yeah i don't know i think it, i think it's just slowly um shifted a little bit as i've gotten older you know and and like the things that i listen to and the and the, the kind of like stuff that that is meaningful to me has has shifted what what were you listening to um i don't know i mean i think i've i think i've always had an interest in in kind of like revisiting really huge like career artists um that that i already respected but like have such deep catalogs that 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 it's it can be really intimidating sometimes to to like go through and and be like oh like where do i even really begin with this and I feel like I had that experience over the past couple of years with with people like like Joni Mitchell of like like I got super into the like a couple of of these uh, like Joni Mitchell records in the eighties mm-hmm. like specifically this one Doggy Dog which is is sort of like <laughs> it's it's a pretty hated on record I think <laughs> in, in in like amongst the the Joni Mitchell catalog just because it's it's like was produced I think or produced or co produced by. Thomas Dolby, who I'm like a huge Thomas Dolby freak. I love Thomas Dolby, which is like, like who, who is really a, a self-described Thomas Dolby head, but I am. <laughs> um, but like most people know him just because of his, the sort of like kitschy tracks that he, he made back in the day, like she blinded me with science, but he was, he was like a pretty prominent producer for like a, a certain period of time, like did all the prefab sprout records and that kind of thing. Right. Right. But anyway, he, he like worked on this Joni Mitchell record and I love it. It's just so good. Um, yeah, just stuff like stuff like that, like Annie Lennox. I got really into to like listening to some Annie Lennox solo records like Diva. Okay. Um, yeah. Who turned you on to Annie Lennox? Like, Cause I know like it was huge in the, you know, we're close yeah. to the same age, but like 
What made yeah. you want to revisit the stuff that like maybe your folks listen to or whatever? I mean, I've always been a Eurythmics fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, it's like, I, I, I don't, I don't know if it's just the age that I'm at now where like, I'm, I'm starting to kind of like have these weird, like musical childhood flashback things that, that like didn't never really like touched me before, but, okay. but suddenly I'm I, like, I'll, I like, I was remembering the walking on glass video yes. from when I was a kid and just seeing that on TV. And like, I, I remember like really liking that song as a kid. It's a phenomenal song. Really holds up. Oh yeah. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> um, and then why is like such an amazing ballad, mm-hmm. but I, stuff like that, where it's like these songs that were just kind of like, have always been floating in the ether for me, just like being someone who like, um, grew, grew up in the nineties. And that was just sort of like the stuff that would be on the radio. And, um, and I don't know, I, I really like when, or I really like sort of like switching my ideas about people that I already have like conceptions of Okay, in the same way that, that, that like, like I've been revisiting a lot of like, um, um, Madonna records too, and and stuff like um, there's this one song that I've been so obsessed with from um, her record music. I think it's called Music. It's like yeah, yeah um, what it feels like for a girl's. I think the name of the song was so good. And yeah, like I don't know, I don't know, just stuff like that. We're just kind of like doing deep dives on like like big name artist catalogs because they have so much music, and it's like you might think they were like a certain thing, but you can see how much they changed over there their careers and that's really exciting yeah i think one of the things that's happened with me a lot as i've kind of you know like i got really into like specifically 90s dylan for a while because mm, i was like yeah. what the fuck was going on and in a weird way i feel now and I'm, I'm curious if you ever feel this too is like i think a lot of people are really really hard specifically on musicians i think there's a lot of mm-hmm. there's a lot of um angst and emotion that's directed towards artists in general but musicians it's always different because music is so personal to people. You can make a film, you mm-hmm. can make things like that, and it, you know, it may not, you know, may not resonate with whatever folks, but like music, it's it's just so emotional and where people are when they experience it. And then also the relationship that they have or have built up during that artist's career, into which, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot of times when people will like dunk on an album and then 10 years later, they're like, you know what? That was actually a really good album. And it was like, yeah, yeah. the music never changed. You did. And so I'm kind of yeah. curious oh, absolutely. how much, you know, what your thoughts are on that. Because I feel like that's, especially now in this like social media era where people really just want to have a direct relationship with artists. Like sometimes it's like, dude, why don't you like, let, let's try to respect the process of of this artist's life and like how they're trying to create this stuff on their own sometimes i think some some musicians are they're just trying to figure out their life and they the only way to do it is through the music yeah yeah i i certainly feel like i'm just trying to figure out my life <laughs> through my music um and yeah i don't know i that's it's so that's so weird like there's so many weird things about sort of the the relationship between kind of like creator and viewer yeah um like like i don't know i think there's a lot of a lot of positive like artists and fan relationships oh absolutely you know like i like i'm incredibly thankful that i have an audience at all for like my sort of like fairly niche thing that i do but um yeah it's like i I, it's like i feel like it should be way more accepted for like people to just make bad stuff like (laughs) like some (laughs) like like sometimes you're just gonna make bad stuff like and like that's part of just creativity right is like yeah i agree and it's like you know, if you're brave enough to release the bad stuff, (laughs) 
then like, I don't know, people should just sort of like roll with the punches. All right. Like I think about that all the time where it's like, you know, there might be an artist that I like and they release something and I can tell like, you know, that's like I can tell within five lessons that like, this is not my thing. Like, this is not, this is not the one for me. Yeah. But I've never, I've never once been like, like, oh man, that's a bummer. Oh, time to go on like a social media tirade about how this <laughs> record really sucks. And the last one was awesome. It's like, no, like you, you just kind of like you shelf it. Maybe you re revisit it later. And like you said, like maybe something about you will change and that, and that like, you'll find that like, oh yeah, like I just wasn't in a place where I could relate to this record or something, or maybe it still, it sucks and that's fine. And then like, maybe the next one is good. Like, like, I just feel like it would be cool if there was like, it, it was more socially acceptable to like, let our artists fail sometimes or something. Yeah, no, I think if that's, that makes sense. No, that's a good take. I mean, and especially like, we'll define failure, right? I mean, is yeah. it monetarily? Is it, you know, because there are a lot of artists out there that can drop a stinker and still make, you know, seven figures on the road, but it's just their back catalog that they're doing. And I think sometimes it's it's more of like, yeah, like, I just want to see, you know, and, and this is a thing that especially I relate to now more as a parent and as a, you know, an elder millennial, for lack of a better term, where like, yeah. I have deep sympathetic relationships for some of these artists where I'm like, well, maybe we're trying to scratch this itch or maybe you were trying to explore this part of you and the only way you knew how was through your music and now someone's trying to dunk on you or someone's trying to turn it into this and it's mm -hmm. like because yeah like my experience with your music is so much about the time of my life when I lived in Brooklyn and like going to see early yeah. about nothing shows and all this stuff and really you know trying to figure out like your guitar sound and like what were all the you know the production tightness and now mm -hmm. I'll, I go back and listen to these records and I'm just like, I'm just sitting here like enjoying it. Like, I'm not trying to analyze it. I'm not trying to like compete yeah. with it. You know, it's just, mm -hmm. and I think like, you know, wh what's the sort of scenario that we can set with musicians and artists in general where that can be the norm versus like, yeah, I hear here, but you know what? You're way over compressed and you're not sold on this outlet and you didn't make a Spotify reel. And so, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. And it's, you know, I'm I don't I don't want to like sit here and, and play the game of like, oh man, you know, like back in the day they had it so good because before <laughs> but like I do I do think about it sometimes where it's like like how nice that must have been to to make music before social media where like really you're only like you would make a thing, you would put it out. Press sort of still operated in, in a relatively like similar way. Mm -hmm. But but otherwise it's like you you would see what critics said, mm -hmm. but but otherwise you would your only sort of like interaction with the people that listen to your music would just be like at a show or something. You know what I mean? And like I don't know, I I would imagine that that people probably thought about that relationship a little bit less. Whereas like I, I think because of social media, you're just always in it. It's just like every time yeah. you want to update or you know, like update people about something that you're doing, it's like you're just like in it and you see it all and it's all just in your face. Which is like good and bad because it's like never never has there been such direct access to to people that like dig what you're doing, which is like that's so lucky to have that. Mm -hmm. But it's also um I think it forces you or it doesn't force you. I mean, maybe some people are better better at it than others, but but I, I feel like it um it creates this environment where like you kind of can't not think about the people listening to your music if you're like someone who does it professionally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's like I often wonder like, do some musicians write songs where like here this is for the fans, and then this is for mm -hmm. me. Like the same way you'll have you know some actor do a movie where it's like they did an indie movie. Well, that was for them. Oh, okay, they did a Marvel movie. That was for the fans. You know, like. 
Yeah. Have you wrestled with that with any songs you've written? Um, I think I think at the end of the day, I I try to kind of like maintain that that philosophy of of you know do what you would do regardless mm. of of like in any other sort of input. But but the truth is that like you can't. I feel like I can't always live by that, and um, I don't think I change anything about the what I do. But but I sometimes do think about like like what sort of song this is or something, or like I might write a song and be like, oh, like this is this is an exciting song for me because it feels like I'm I'm like scratching a new itch, mm-hmm. or I might write a song and instantly be like, oh, like this is this is a song that that I feel like is unintentionally a little bit of like fan service where I'm <laughs> I'm I'm ri- writing a song that that is like is very much within my wheelhouse and like like someone in theory would listen to it and like not be surprised yeah kind of thing i mean i think specifically with with wild nothing in your band like when you guys first well you like kind of came onto the scene i mean it was was huge 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 and Mm -hmm. you know it's almost like and, and maybe in hindsight you're like no this is wrong but there it felt like you know bands like the XX and Wild Nothing and all this stuff, you guys just kind of blow up overnight. Did you have anyone else that kind of came alongside you to kind of help you handle the craziness of it all? You know, like Tom York talks about how Michael Stipe saved his life and career because he couldn't handle Mm. the success of Radiohead. Was there anyone that kind of helped you with your career? Yeah, I mean, you know... Early on, I, I had I had a, a pretty close relationship with with Mike Sniper, who ran Capture Tracks, and was kind of like the, the a big reason why I even sort of was able to get my music out there in the way that I did early on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of people that I worked with that that, that I feel like kind of helped me keep my head screwed on. But also, you know, like I, I think there's there was a lot of other factors that were more sort of like just just within my personal life of like like having a really close relationship with my parents where where I felt I I feel like my parents have always kind of like held me accountable for like being a good person and not like having a crazy ego which like you know like I I feel like I very easily could have in the beginning taken the success of my early records and just sort of like spun out because of it but like yeah. I feel like I always kind of like played it not safe but I I feel like I I always just tried to sort of like go with the flow and like whatever was happening was happening and like um because it was it was like honestly it was pretty s- surreal and and freaky to just be like a kid not even out of college suddenly having like major publications write about your music that you recorded at home and um I was like woefully unprepared for it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like yeah and it's like I think I think. I don't know. You can't, you can't like, I have, I have zero regrets about sort of like how my career has progressed because I think, I think, I mean, truthfully, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a minor miracle that I'm, that I'm even still able to like write records and have an audience, you know, now 13 years on from, from making my first record. Oh, come on. Why is that? Just cause, well, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Don't, don't let me shit talk myself i'm not trying to do that i'm just saying like um well i just think having having like a a a longer career in music in general is like just kind of hard and i've seen a lot of a lot of burnout you know like i've i've been friends with a lot of people in bands who you know i feel like i've seen it all i've been i've been sort of like i've seen bands get way bigger than my band in a very short amount of time and then like fizzle out within like three years 
Um, yeah. or, or like vice versa where, you know, see people like really struggle for a long, long time and then like finally find success or I don't know. And I think for me, I've just been lucky that it's, that it's always felt like this very sort of reasonable, um, comfortable build yeah. of sorts. I mean, yeah. you mentioned the support structure of your family, but was that something you were aware of in the moment or are you now more aware of now that you're a parent? I think about it a lot, right? Cause I mean, I, it's like, it's, it's almost impossible to, to think about your parents as people <laughs> until you reach a certain age uh, you're exactly like, right i agree <laughs> yeah yeah so it's like i feel like i i remember um like it really wasn't until i was in college that that that, that you start to sort of have this relationship with your parents as as people as like individuals mm-hmm. outside of of just these um you know like guardian figures of you mean that um, you realize they're flawed Right. Oh yeah, yeah. You realize all of it. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I, it's it's funny. Like I, you know, it's it's funny those those first few times, right, when you realize that like the advice that your parents give you like might not necessarily be the best advice. Oh god, or something. It, it's a brutal moment. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. It's yeah. it's tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which I have to say, I'm very lucky in the sense that like I think that's that my that my parents generally have very good advice and they're they're also they kind of keep it close to the chest where they don't really they're not the type to to just force advice upon me it's only if i ever ask for it you know what i mean wow. which i feel like is something that that i definitely want to to do for for my son of just like he can ask me for advice whenever he wants but i'm not i'm not just gonna like automatically assume that he wants it you know okay. what i mean yeah yeah that's that's a yeah that's a hell of an epiphany um yeah, yeah. you know i i say this like so my dad's health is not great, but mm-hmm. um, my dad was in this band in the 80s and late 70s, and he played with some big people. You know, he played with Dan Peak of America. He played with a lot of like, you know, like legit bands, and um, mm-hmm. and he did some of his own records. And the thing that I realize now, because I, you know, I'll occasionally go and I'll listen to his music, and some of it is awful, and some of it mm-hmm. really fucking slaps. Like, it's really, really yeah. good. And I think about like, oh my God, like what an incredible gift. I got from him, even though he's not in the state that I want him to be now as an adult, mm-hmm. I have his music. Have you thought yeah. about that with your son? Yeah, absolutely. I, I I kind of can't wait until, you know, well, and that's the other thing too, is that like, I don't, I don't ever want to like force his relationship with the things that I've created. I think he'll, he'll find them in time if he's interested. And I think it, it might take, you know, who knows how long, I don't know. I don't know like when he will, he will have an interest. I'm sure. I mean, he, he already like, he's around it and he's, he sees it and he's, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, um, he's like already a really sweet and aware kid and like ha- has an awareness about this record and about like me putting out a record and, and, and the fact that there's like songs on the record that um talk about him. And they're, they're like, there's the last song on the record is this song called pulling down the moon that that's, that's pretty, pretty much kind of the only like super direct song mm-hmm. about him, about, about parenthood. And, um and he knows that and he calls it Calder song and he'll, he like, he likes to listen to it and there's like a little there's a little clip of him in it and yeah it's like it's it's so sweet and then i don't know yeah he's he's and he'll ask me a lot too about like other music that i've made or like i was um you know like i i've been doing some like production and writing stuff over the past few years for other people and mm-hmm. i i had done this song with um michelle from japanese breakfast and i had like played it for him one time and and then she also like sort of recently 
came to Richmond to like work on some some other stuff and and I was like playing him something and just out of nowhere he he was like oh is this the song that you made with Michelle <gasps> or like he, he just like remembers these things and kind of like he's like always making these connections about like oh is is this like a song that you made is this a song that you worked on which I guess shows how much I listen to my own music in the house that he like can't <laughs> tell a difference <laughs> um but yeah I don't know it's just really sweet wait wait ho- hold on a second Okay, before you send that DM or text that friend, I know what you're thinking. You're ready to buy your first serious watch. Or in other cases, maybe your fourth or your fifth. But look, man, it's hard out there. It really is. From this dealer or that store that wants the purchase history or whatever. I mean, you're just, I, I don't know, you're almost ready to walk away from the whole game. But fear not, my friends. Check out Bezel. Bezel is the trusted marketplace for buying and selling your next luxury watch with expert in-house authentication on every purchase. With over 18,000 watches listed right now, as of the time I'm recording this, from a mix of professional dealers to private sellers, you're just going to find what you're looking for. But wait, wait, I know. You're like, Jeremy, I'm sorry. They don't have that X Rolex or that insane Omega. Well, reach out to them. Bezel has a real team of real people. Just create an account and be connected with a private client advisor, and they will guide you through the entire process every step. Once you decide on your watch, it's overnighted to Bezel HQ where their in-house team of experts authenticate it, and then it's on your way to you. If anything is amiss, the watch is not listed correctly, whatever it is, they'll let you know, the buyer know, and the offer to refund you, or source you a new one at a similar price. (laughs) That's pretty good, right? This has been part of the Bezel ethos since launch. I've even spoke to the founders about it. And now, you can make an offer on a watch, buy it outright, or bid it at auction. Bezel is the highest rated watch marketplace out there. Even Trustpilot shows Bezel is 4.9 out of 5 stars with rave reviews. Okay, okay, you're still on the fence? Dig into the Blamo feed yourself and listen to my chat with the Bezel co-founders and, well, see for yourself. But you got this. I believe in you. Visit GetBezel.com and buy and sell your next luxury watch. That's GetBezel.com. GetBezel.com. That's that's a big achievement, I think. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's amazing that you're able to, like, you know, not just have a career, but like a very prosperous career making music for people that love. But like, when you think about how that impacts your family, I, I only yeah. say this because now, like, I it's it's stuff that I've really processed. You know, I have a um, almost six-year-old and then I have like a 15-month-old and my daughter mm-hmm. like has opinions on bands, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, we were listening to the new Beirut album and mm-hmm. um, she fucking loves it you know like there's there's stuff that i've put on that she's like i do not like this like i tried to show her like motley crew and stuff you know and (laughs) she she thought it was kind of funny but she's like does it does it stay like this the whole time you know and i was like damn okay she's not into the (laughs) she's not into the a b you know standard song and distortion she loves the beatles she loves the white album and you know i was like oh man i was like she really resonates with some of this stuff. And the other day, you know, we got her one of those Lug guitars, which is like, the oh, kind yeah, of yeah, I know this little, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I heard her trying to play music and she was yeah. trying to sing songs. And, you know, that's awesome. It was, it was, it was just so incredible. But like, I, I really, I'm, I'm envious of the people who get to do that stuff and make their, you know, make their kids' dreams come true with that. I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's an incredible 
gift that you have. And not only do you do that, but yeah. like, the music you're doing is incredible too. So, you know, Thank it's, you. it's Thank cool. You. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's cool to just kind of like, because I feel that way about like my wife, Donna, too, where it's like, she's so used to what I do that um, it's not that it isn't special, but it's just such a part of kind of like our our daily life yeah um and i and i love now that with my son it's it's like starting to feel that way where it's like it's not that it isn't magical but it's like he's just around it so much that it's kind of just becoming like a part of of his upbringing in a way that i'm like really glad that i that i will be able to offer him that you know or just like in and just with like having a studio at the house like yeah you know any any interest that he shows in anything it's just like i can just like be like yeah let's do it. I'll set you up with like this or that, or, you know, but we'll see. He's still, he's still young enough that he's not really like, I mean, he'll, he'll go like bang on my keyboards, but yeah. Yeah. I tried to teach of it. Yeah. I tried to teach my daughter, Harriet, the guitar and it did not go well. I was like, yeah. well, here, let me show you. And she's like, dad, I just don't want to do this. I'm like, yeah. Fuck. And I think with kids too, it's <laughs> like they, they, they just need to like approach it on their own. And I was the same way, like, cause my dad is also a musician and, um, and so we always had guitars yeah, just like kind of laying around the house. Um, and yeah, it wasn't until I was like 10 and sort of like had my own taste in music where, where I was kind of like, oh yeah, I do actually maybe want you to show me the ropes a little bit. Like, can, can you teach me how to do some like basic stuff? Wait, really? And I didn't know like, about that. What do you yeah, show you? Yeah. I mean, my dad has played guitar for his... I mean, since he was a teenager. And so, yeah, he taught me how to play guitar, just like taught me all the chords, taught me like scales and stuff. And then, and then from there he was like, it was kind of cool because he was hands off and just let me sort of like learn the music that I wanted to learn. And then if I ever had questions, he he would help me out. But, but it was pretty much kind of like immediately after he showed me like the basic stuff, I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go to my room for like <laughs> three weeks. I'll see you later. Peace, man. And just like... <laughs> And like learned every Weezer song that I possibly could. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny because, yeah, I remember asking my dad to teach me um, Smashing Pumpkin songs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to play Zero. And he was like, no, that song is basic. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, he's like, you know, you should listen to Steely Dan or Al Stewart. And he played for me. And I was like, dad, this music sucks. You know, yeah. and now I find myself listening. I mean, I still love Pumpkins. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I find myself listening to, you know, uh, so much 70s music just sure. all the time yeah uh, yeah you 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 come to appreciate um musicianship a lot more as you get older i think because as a kid it's like that stuff is such a turnoff i feel like 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 the idea of being like overly proficient in anything was such a turnoff <laughs> to me <laughs> I don't, like i just i just wanted to listen to the most ramshackle music you know yeah because i think i think especially too as as like a beginning musician or like like starting to piece together your own songs you kind of need to listen to something that that feels within reach. You kind of need to listen to something that that it's inspiring when you when you throw on a record and be like, oh, like I could sort of see how someone would make this, you know. And I think for me that was like I, I that's why I was so attracted to to like Phil Overham when I when I was in high school. I was like obsessed with the microphones and Mount Erie um, because there was there was there was always something about his music that felt kind of a little bit attainable, at least in the way that it sounded and the way that. Yeah. The lo-fi um, sort recorded. of cassette tape, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, he was on another level, like, lyrically and thematically <laughs> than from where I was as a 15-year-old, but um, but there was, like, it, 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 yeah, it was really inspiring, I think, to someone who knew nothing about what they were doing. Um, but yeah, it was, like, kind of from the get-go, I was, I was, like, more interested in writing songs and recording than I was even in playing guitar. It was just, like, a means to an end, you know? Mm. Was there ever anything that you felt like 
I always wanted to do this when I was recording and now you've gotten to do it? I think so. I think I've kind of, I've done, I've done everything that I could hope to do. You know, it's like I've, I've recorded in like really amazing studios and recorded real um, world yet. I haven't. No, I mean, add that to the list. There you go. Forget about it. I mean, yeah, I would love that. I would love that. I know. I don't, I'm not even sure I want to start talking about Peter Gabriel because I won't be able to stop. Dude, yeah, I I just rediscovered like solo Peter Gabriel and specifically the live shows. The live yeah. shows, I mean, some of them are a little weird because it's like kind of theater, you know. I mean, he's like oh yeah, pulling an imaginary like, rope. You see, you've seen the video where he's like, I think he's playing like Salisbury Hill or something. He's just like riding around a giant stage on a little bike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, I was like, what? Uh, yeah. I mean, speaking yeah. of, you're you're about to tour like soon, very soon. Probably yeah, by the yeah, time really- this is out, you'll be on tour. Um, yep yep um yeah it's it's kind of a little bit of a shorty this this time we we wanted to um kind of save any extensive touring that we do for next year just because that that was sort of like how how it worked behind the scenes for us mm-hmm. but but we we definitely wanted to kind of like get out and play some shows right after the record came out and you know just kind of like show face and um and 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 have a reason to start playing again but yeah it's exciting you know it's like we 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 have done a couple tours over the past couple of years, um, but but I'm really looking forward to to like playing new tracks and kind of piecing together a, a, a slightly different situation. Yeah, I was gonna say like how much time goes into building the set list because now you're you got you have a pretty full catalog to play in a show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like I feel like I just I try and approach it very democratically. Um, so I feel like I started building the set list where it was just like you know it's like all right, two songs from each record, start okay. there. Okay. Then we'll kind of like we'll we'll see where where the wind blows us. Because um, yeah, it's like I I've never really been the the type to to like very stubbornly want to play a new record top to bottom as soon as it comes out kind of thing. Yeah, like, I, you know, like undoubtedly we'll still play a lot of the new record, but but I think I like to me I feel like when you go see a band, it's like that's sort of the point is not necessarily to to ha- have it be like a, a full on like best of hits. Uh, compilation but but i think it should be like retrospective in the sense that that it that it kind of like takes everything you've done into consideration a little bit like that's those are the shows that i enjoy the most yeah are you bringing the fam on the road i'm not yeah it's like a lot of facetime um a lot of facetime yeah i mean he's in school he's in preschool now and so it's it would get complicated with having to take him out of any and just like truthfully having a three-year-old on tour with you i know not fun not i look fun back at the paul mccartney stuff i'm like how the hell was he doing it yeah. oh he was super rich forgot about yeah, that yeah <laughs> yeah which unfortunately i'm not so um yeah, me either if only if only i was um, it's like yeah, yeah the whole family in the in a big in a big bus driving around doing wings and you're just like oh, yeah okay. no yeah like like Do- donna and my son in our like a sprinter van with six other people not not gonna fly <laughs> our son would be screaming to go home after half an hour yeah yeah, no, yeah. No, that makes sense at least you're in the sprinter though no more no more uh weird minivan and falling asleep on someone's arm or something. yeah yeah true true <laughs> um what are the uh what are the tour fits looking like here how much time do you put in because here's the thing when i first saw you play this was like, mm-hmm. and you can correct me if I'm wrong. This was like APC New Standard era, Jack. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what what it, have you thought much about like what you're wearing when you go out there now, or is this uh, just out of curiosity? Oh, God. No, I you know it's like I should. I've never I've never been a flashy dresser. I'm like I'm I'm 
Oh, it's it's I'm, always I'm, the, if you know you know. It's it's not about the flash. You're good. Yeah. No, you you're right. You're right. Um yeah, you know, like I I feel like every time I go on tour, I usually go on a, a little mini shopping spree just picking up some new stuff. But yeah, I don't know. Like there there there's a there's a place um in Richmond now actually. It's like a quite a nice menswear store called Ohm Shop. Mm. Uh, like H-O-M-M-E. But they stock a lot of cool stuff like Corridor and like Beams Plus and um yeah, and I feel like that's the kind of stuff that I'm usually after is just like uh, pretty just sort of like classic day to day, just like made well, uh, as in like well made, made versus yes, the yes, J. Crew brand. Yeah. Which um, made well, the new made well, by the way, is actually no, the, the new good. the new made well is, is, is pretty nice. Yeah, I got, I got those um, uh, those those new Weegens actually that they made with with gh bass you know i mean it, you were saying you kind of just like get ready and get a bunch of you think get a bunch of things before you go on the road like what do you do in the meantime like do you ever uh you ever just like go nuts like browsing hashtags and different brands and stuff that you find on instagram or what, what have you been into lately uh not a ton i'm not i'm not like a super deep fashion head although like i i definitely try and pick up kind of like nice pieces here and there but and, and i like i like to just kind of like seeking out old like every once in a while, I'll maybe like try and find like a cool like vintage designer piece, like jacket or whatever. Um, but yeah, mostly mostly I just buy stuff secondhand. Just like you know, there's pretty good vintage shopping in in uh, in Richmond. Luckily, there it's is like so so much cheaper than it than it would be. Like like every time I would have like my bandmates that were living in L.A. come <laughs> rehearse in Richmond, they would like hit all these these uh vintage stores and just be like oh my god they would like would be <laughs> shocked and i'm just like yeah man life is easy when you just like move to virginia <laughs> yeah i was gonna say how have you adjusted with the suburb life because i know you've been there for a while mm-hmm. but like you know that yeah the, no no crazy metropolitan city is is a little bit different i mean i'm in st louis now not yeah. i'm not in new york so right. i feel you in the suburbs yeah i'm i'm, I'm sure it's a sort of a similar situation for you although st louis is quite a lot bigger than richmond but is um it? i, didn't even I know. mean like i don't know R- R- richmond is i feel like richmond is is really kind of a an unsung city on the east coast where it's like Oh my God! Um, yeah, two hundred twenty-six thousand people in Richmond. Yeah, thank you, Google. Yeah, which is small, but then you know when you when you start looking at like the the metro area or whatever, it's you know it gets it gets a little closer to like a million people. But um, right. but wow. yeah, it's just like it's for the size that it is and the amount of cool stuff that it has in it. It's like it's it's pretty surprising, and I feel like every time I have friends come through, they're sort of like, oh, like yeah, I understand. But it's and it's also like for me, obviously, it's incredibly uh, convenient because it's. It's like an hour away from where my parents live. It's um, get that I, I free so childcare. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> yes, I. <laughs> I can't imagine my life without like my my parents being around to to help with our son because it's it does take a village, dude. It's um, yep. it's not easy raising a kid, but yeah. So I I love it. I'm loving it. I really like being back in Virginia. It's it's always sort of been where where my heart is. Really, I you know I've 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 lived. A few other places, you know, New York, L.A. I lived in Savannah, Georgia, actually, for a little bit when I was much younger, uh, like right out of college. Wait, did you go to SCAD? No, but I had a lot of friends that did. And so, yeah, it's kind of weird. I, 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 in retrospect, it was sort of a dumb move, but like right at like, like the first okay. year that Wild Nothing. <laughs> well, no, I just mean like I, I was just out of college. Like Jim and I had just come out my first record and um, and most of my friends were moving up to New York because that's just like what you do. Yep. Um, but I was like, I'm going to move to Savannah, Georgia. 
And I'll show them. <laughs> and so I did. Yeah. Which like to this day, Savannah is is probably one of, if not my favorite city in America. It's it's so beautiful and like uh I really love it. But uh it was sort of a weird move career wise. So I I left shortly after being there for like a year. Um anyway, the point being is like I've never felt as as at home anywhere as I do in in Virginia. It's just sort of like, you know, a big part of me. Yeah. What I mean, so it sounds like you're you're a lifer there now, huh? I think we're pre- we're pretty yeah, we're setting pretty deep roots. Nice. Um, but you know, I'm I I always leave myself open a little bit. If some if something were to change, I wouldn't I wouldn't like uh purposely shoo it away. But um but yeah. What's been the the biggest sort of like splurge that you've done now that you, you know, have been doing well as a career musician you know has it been like getting nuts with a with a with a bunch of neve channels or what um yeah i've definitely i've definitely upgraded the studio a couple times since since moving here um although to be honest like i haven't really bought much recently in the music department i'm i'm more i'm like i'm i'm on to like like furniture and shit because i'm old so it's like okay okay here we go you know it's like podcast i'm like I'm lusting after furniture, not music gear. <laughs> See, that's that's the moment when you feel like you really hit real adulthood is all of a sudden you and your friends, it used to be you'd flex on like, oh yeah, well, I yeah, sure, I got APC jeans too, whatever. And then it'd be like, well, I got this iPhone or I got this whatever. And now you're like, you're flexing on folks with chairs. So hit me, what, what do you yeah. got? Do you got a Judd chair in there? What, what, what's What's going on over there? No, see, that's the thing is that like, I'm I'm such a window shopper, and also I have I mean I have a three year old, and I yeah. have a cat. I have a who Ooh. I air air quotes love, but um yeah yeah she just like fucks up everything that I own. So there it's goes not the Eames. Worth. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um so yeah I'm just like but again like f- like Richmond kind of a hot spot for all of this like amazing vintage modern furniture um, yeah so yeah i definitely like went through a phase of of almost pulling the trigger on some like italian postmod stuff and i'm kind of glad i didn't because it's like whoa you know that's too much body to be spending on <laughs> well, but like you know it's weird right because you know i one of my like biggest hobbies is i go to like estatesales.net like i collect watches and furniture i mean anything that's dumb basically assume that i've done it like of buying yeah. dumb things and um, down the street from me, there was this family. And because like I'm, you know, St. Louis and Chicago are, are somewhat close. And um, so there's like a little bit of overlap. And there was this family and the guy had a bunch of these Bertoya chairs. You know, they're like Harry Bertoya, mm-hmm. like the, yeah. the mesh. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you have five of these. Oh, and you have the original pads and everything. I mean, they were in great condition. And I was like, what do you want for them? And he's like, yeah. I don't know, like $25 each. And I was like, yeah holy shit and next thing you know i'm coming home with a bunch of chairs and then my wife is like stop buying random chairs like we're never even gonna have enough people over here to sit like but it's there's definitely a a, an allure of living in the suburbs where you can just accumulate random it's true it's true in fact i have two of the the like diamond batoa chairs just sitting in the other room that i also found at an estate sale there it is oh my god these (laughs) The 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 estate sale scene uh, in the suburbs, man. Oh man, that's where it's at. That's where that's where the real excitement is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Everyone's gonna hear the record, but you, giving the people what they wanted, your taste in the in the furniture scene is this. That's the gem of the show, right? Yeah, here. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, it's like 
I don't, I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge splurger, you know. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just, I'm just a modest guy that uh, <laughs> just goes about my life. <laughs> yeah, I like as you know, I've gotten older. My environment at which I try to create, I, I pay way more attention to. Like when I lived in the Lower East Side, it was like milk crates for clothes and a mattress from Sleepies mm-hmm. that I had on the floor. And now yeah. I'm like, you know, I don't know if this, I don't know if I can be productive right now if I don't have my, uh, my Jeff McFetridge on the wall. Like it just, <laughs> I, I'm just not sure. <laughs> yeah. I know it's like, I, and that was always my thing too of, of like why I, I, it was probably inevitable that I, that I would move away from the bigger cities is that just my like my sense of space and sort of like ha- having control over over your space is so important to me. And I'm not like, you know, it, it got to the point when we were in LA where I just, I wasn't like hardly going out much mm, and it's like you know yeah. you're just so it's like why why not like invest in your space um as opposed to like you know when you're not taking advantage of all, all of the best parts of living somewhere yeah no i i wholeheartedly agree yeah. and you know i realized how elitist i was at least for myself when i came back here because i was like man i would dunk on target i would dunk on mcdonald's and now i'm like dude don't fuck with my golden arches man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, that's, that's kind of the funny thing too, about like as much disdain as I, as I, or like as much distaste as I have about a lot of aspects of, of suburban living or sort of like what, uh, what that really means. You know, it's, it's also kind of like how I, how I grew up. I grew up in Williamsburg, Virginia. Um, and I'm just like, I feel comforted by like big box stores. (laughs) Like I feel, I feel at home at strip malls and like, yeah. So I don't know. No, it's, it's, it's it's true. There's, there's a, uh, there's like an innocence about those experiences. I mean, it's why I really mourn malls, just like malls going Mm -hmm. away. Like the mall that I worked at when I was younger is being taken down. And, you know, I was working at Banana Republic when I was 16 years old and it was like, I thought I was king shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And now it's, there's nothing there. There's, there's old people playing pickleball and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus wept, man. I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um we're starting to wrap up here uh, there's some kind of like basic yeah. <clears throat> whatever questions here i want to run through so sure. as you're making this record what do you do to to reset yourself is it you know or like what's your perfect day i mean i th- i think it's it's different now i my my i feel like my days are much more structured now because my, my son is in preschool and it's like there's there's very sort of like clear delineation between the parts of the day and sort of which parts of the day are for what. And it it was pretty hard. I think for the first couple of years that, that he was alive and like, while I was working on this record Mm -hmm. is, is just kind of like really, really trying to find, find those moments where like, not only did I just have the time period, but like also was able to, to like extract some sort of like creative or, uh, you know, productive, moment out of that Mm -hmm. um and i think i think that's that's a struggle of of just kind of uh like being a a parent who works in a creative field in general is just like you have to totally rethink the way that you work yeah um and it's only been i think semi-recently where where i where i feel like i can uh i don't don't know like like feel okay about it Mm. (laughs) because for a while it was it was hard not not being able to like chase chase your creativity whenever whenever you want it's like you always feel like you're you're gonna let a good idea just die or something yeah like you know a friend of mine he's pretty relatively big musician and he's got a family and he's like oh i just 
pick up my phone and I just voice note random, you know, lyrics or melodies that mm. pop into my head. He's like, and then, you know, late at night when everyone's asleep or he'll go to his studio and he'll then just parse mm. through all of his notes. You know, is that anything you yeah. ever utilized or? You know? A little bit, but I've never, I've never been a big like voice memo person. Um, I've, and I think part of it is because um, like to me, recording is, is, is synonymous with writing. Like I, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, no, no, no. It's just, just I mean, because that's always been the way that I work. It's like, it's very rare that I, that I will sit down, like, in my living room with an acoustic guitar and just, like, start strumming and, and like, write a little ditty that I record on my voice memos. It's, like, almost always me sitting in front of a desk, like, inputting the idea and then immediately trying to build layers upon it. So it's like, and I do it all the time. It's kind of bad, actually. I don't, I don't love this about my creative process, but it is what it is. Like a lot of times I'll, I'll start kind of like a song idea and maybe I have an idea for a verse and then I'll build the entire verse up as I imagine in my head with all the layers, all the instruments, everything. And then I'll have like this 15 second, like part of a song that sounds like a finished song, but there's nothing else, <laughs> you know, like there's, and then I and then I have to start from square one again and like build out the rest of the song. But I think it's something about like the way that my brain works where I can't like I kind of need to hear it at least somewhat close to what I imagine the finished version would be before I can like even really like start unwrapping the whole thing. So for me, that's like why I kind of have to record while I write. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think for and for listeners too. I mean, that's not many people write that way. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are others, right. But like, that's most of the time it's, it's, you know, the, the studio recording and the songwriting things are often done very different (laughs) and at different times and different places. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, And it's, it's always cool. Like, you know, and it's kind of fun that, that now I've been starting to do production work and like, um, there's an artist, Molly Birch, that's on my label that I, I just produced her like whole last record that, that came out recently. And that was, that was totally like a much more classic process Mm. of, of her bringing, bringing me songs that were just, you know, like her on a piano singing and then us being like, okay, well, I think we could, we could build them out in this way. We could arrange it in this, you know, using these instruments and these kinds of sounds and then going into a studio and doing it all there. But, but for me, it's like everything is blurred. There's, there's no sort of like a definite stop or start point uh, uh, in terms of sort of like when one part of the process is, is over and then another one starts. It's all kind of just like fluid until I'm done with it. Um, yeah. Um, do you see yourself ever doing more of like scoring or scores in general for folks? Yeah, I would love to. You know, like I, I have a, a, a pretty deep interest in, in, ambient music and instrumental music and um you know it's like i i think for me it would, it would take the right opportunity arising um in order for for me to like feel comfortable signing on yeah. to to doing something like that because from from what i've heard like people that that have done that kind of work it's like it ends up being a much bigger commitment than you even realize um so it's like that would sort of have to be the thing that i'm doing that year or was something you know like yeah. um just from from kind of like what i've heard but yeah, we'll see. I definitely, I, you know, I, I, there's so many different angles of, of working in music that, that, that I'm excited to explore as I get older. And like, you know, I think I'll always make my own records and I'll always have, have this outlet, whether it's wild nothing or just records I release as myself or, or, or what, mm-hmm. but, but, um, I, I'm like, I'm very much interested in, in sort of like the other outlets available. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, Jack, thank you so much for your time. Um, congrats on the record. Yeah, thank congrats you. Congrats on the tour. Thanks. Um, 
I'm excited, excited to see you. But it was, it, it was great to meet you. I'll see you. Yeah, it was great to meet you as well. All right, take care. Thanks so much for listening. Check out Wild Nothing on Spotify. Their new album is called Hold. You've been listening to Blamo. Our show is produced by Blamo Media. We're edited by Amarlo. Our theme music, as always, by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you heard, share the pod with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or the five stars on Spotify or the thumbs up on whatever it is that you like. Um, you know, just do what you do when you like a podcast. Follow us on Instagram for all the hot content. And if you want to talk to us and give us your hot take, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a message and we'll put it in a future episode or uh, basically just email us at info at blamopod.com. Last but not least, you got to check out the Blam Fam at patreon.com forward slash blamo where we have tons of exclusive episodes. I mean, we got exclusive shows. We got Blamo Presents Die Workwear. We got the Triple J Show. New episodes coming this week. And just lots of goodies. So get in on that. Hope everyone's uh, keeping warm or staying cool, whatever it is you're going to do. We'll see you soon.